Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Hallelujah, 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 praise God, what a beautiful presence of the Lord here right now, amen, praise God, you can't find this anywhere else, amen, I've been in big situations, you won't find this with the world when they have a concert or, or a ball game, Amen. You can only find this when the people of the living God, those who have been washed, amen, by His blood and filled with His Spirit, when we come together and lift up the name of Jesus and open up our hearts and our faith to Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a beautiful presence of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord, He moves on our hearts in worship when we lift him up like that, it's in preparation. There was a time, there was a debate of where one should worship in Israel. The Jews said at this mountain, the Samaritans said at this mountain, and the question was brought to the Lord, and he said, the time is coming that it won't be that mountain or this mountain, but those shall worship me in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It just goes together. Amen. And so what we are about to be is this. We have had we have experienced amen the spirit of God. Now our hearts are ready for the truth of God. And I am excited for this message here today. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Worship team, great job. Thank you very much. If you are a guest here today, we are so happy that you are with us. Amen. We're grateful that all of you are here with us here today. Amen. Praise God. But I'm excited for this message this morning. Amen. This is a minister that I know how much he loves God. And I've seen it firsthand. How long have you been on the board for children's ministry in the district? 12 years. That's a lot of junior camps. <laughs> Junior camp will bring out the best of you and the worst of you. Amen. It does. <laughs> but I tell you, it is such a wonderful time. And to give of yourself like the Garrett's do, it is absolutely a blessing. And we need men and women in leadership in those positions or those types of things don't happen. Amen. And so we have a tremendous amount of gratitude for your service Amen, in those areas. Before I ever heard Colton minister the word, I heard his dad minister the word. Amen. 
it's a lot like Colton with less comedy. <laughs> I was the first time I heard Colton, I was like, he's like his dad, but with a little more comedy. <laughs> Amen. Gets it from mom. Amen. Sister Garrett, and then Gage, he is the absolute best. Praise God. Brother Garrett, would you come and bless us with the word here today? Praise the Lord, everybody, to the song. I'm not going to hit it. <laughs> it is an honor to, uh, to be here today, and I absolutely appreciate uh, your pastor and uh, his wife. They have um, cemented themselves in the history of my walk with God, uh, Pastor Knowles, was in the room that approved me to be licensed with the United Pentecostal Church. And uh, if I remember correctly, even when I didn't understand a question, he defended me. Because <laughs> sometimes it's, it's kind of nerve-wracking when you're in front of a bunch of elders in which uh, uh, you know, you're hoping for their thumbs up and their prayer of uh, confidence in your life and your wife's life. Uh, to move forward with the ministry, and so I am ever grateful for you sitting on that board the time you did. I think it was uh, perfect timing. Uh, I don't know if I would get past this board. I'm just kidding. I think <laughs> it was awesome, and uh, just the what God has been doing uh, in our lives since then is remarkable. I give honor to, uh, first off, yes, thank you so much, Brother uh, Woods. It's just a wonderful relationship that we've had working together in the children's ministry. And uh, it is, uh, it's just a breath of fresh air when Brother Woods comes. Because we, when we're doing registration, they all ask, is Brother Woods here? Is Brother Woods here? And I'm like, yes, don't worry. <laughs> You'll get your peanut butter and uh, jelly. Slammed in your face. <laughs> and uh, I also want to give honor to uh, the heritage of Tower of Pentecost. I was, uh, I hope it was correct. I was reading the website, and the website said that this, uh, this ministry started back in, oh, 1974, 48 years ago. God has been moving upon this congregation to break down the barriers of, of darkness and push back the strongholds of the enemy that wants to have a, a commitment or a handhold on your neighbors, on your schools, on your community, on your elected officials. And I'm so thankful that there is a church here that is praying and fighting back with tears and with supplications and, and with offerings and gifts and, and work. It is so wonderful to hear the worship of people in our communities. Wherever we go, we just want to hear the praises of his name. Amen. So I am so thankful for 48 years that you've had such a strong, strong commitment. Amen. Coincidentally... Forty-eight years ago, also, I was born into this world, but I had to wait 26 years in order to get my <laughs> commission, but that's okay. It's because of churches like this that preach the truth, that reach out to the lost, that win that which the devil has stole. 
and I am so very thankful for you guys, and uh, you should know, and this is, this is no kidding, every night we pray for our church, Sheltering Tree Pentecostal Church in Spokane, and we pray for the Tower of Pentecost. I don't know why. There might be a connection. And a side note, we also pray deeply for the Bryant family. So <laughs> we absolutely just adore, and uh, we have been just so blessed of how you have treated our son and uh, grown him. Yeah, he's, he's just a remarkable young man. I do miss him terribly. Um, I don't miss him playing the drums in our house, but I do miss him hearing playing the drums. And so, and also honor to God, honor the, all that he's done. My wife, so thankful for you uh, for 26, almost seven, almost uh, 27 years coming up next uh, couple months. And so I'm very thankful to be here. And I, I want to bring forth an encouragement. That's what I prayed for. I, said, I want to encourage the people in, in Richland. I, I, I'm not here to browbeat, and if I get to that point, just say, Brother Garrett, that's not what you came to do. <laughs> Don't do that. And um, so also, anyone who's uh, going to pull up the podcast, welcome. I'm so thankful that you're doing that. Uh, if you want to hear another great podcast, go to Holding On with Colton Garrett. And I pull it up in my truck, and I listen to it, and I'm thinking to myself, Brother Grant, um, I think I'm speaking that, because it does sound a lot like me. With lot, Well, not as much comedy, I don't think. I think I... I yes. If anything, I'm going to be preaching at him. That's what I'm going to be doing. Amen. If you would uh, please uh, turn to the book of Judges, chapter 3, for today's uh, message. I was encouraged to, interestingly encouraged by this scripture. And then also we'll be going to uh, Psalms 24 for a couple of verses there. And um, I, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope you're ready. Amen. I do believe that there's still more praise left in this church. I still I believe that there's still more honoring of God's name in this church. I, I believe that there's still needs and hungers in this church. I, I, I want you to know that God is all in all, and that means that he could do all things. Uh, all things are possible with him, and, and there's no reason for anybody ever to walk out of this place on any given uh, service and not be filled with his presence because he is, in fact, the one that could fill us completely, overflowing even. And so let us not be uh, left uh, leaving hungry for him today. How about that, all right? So despite how I preach or how uh, I deliver it, I want you to know that the Word of God is in your hand, and the fellowship is among you. You can, you can absolutely get what you need from the Lord today. So I'm going to read uh, Judges chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to do my best not to butcher the words. I was not uh, born in the time when those words were normal, and so I'm going to do my best not to uh, insult them. They're dead. doesn't matter. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left to prove, everybody say prove, prove Israel by them, even as many as Israel had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war or uh, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. Namely, five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sinanonians. 
and the Hivites and dwelt among Mount Lebanon and Mount uh, Hermon. give it a guess, unto entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken under the commandment of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took, oh, this is where it gets weird. And they took their daughters to be their wives, and gave them daughters to their sons, and served their gods. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgate the Lord their God, and served Balaam and his groves, or and the groves. Would you please uh, find your way over to Psalms 24? The question is posed, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who can stand in his holy place? Verse 4 of Psalm 24 says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Praise his wonderful name. Would you give the Lord a hand praise in this place today? Thank him for what he is going to do, what he's already been doing. Jesus, you're so good. You are so good. You are so good. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to talk to you today about the proven generation. You may be seated. Amen. Now, because the scripture, John 3.16, very famously, God so loved the world. And I want to, I want you to understand that because of that scripture, when he says that he loved the world... I don't think that he loved the bowling alleys, Hollywood. I don't think that he loved uh, the, 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 the Democrats or the Republicans. I, it's not what I'm thinking that he says, that he loved the world. He didn't die for the ideologies or for the trappings or, or the stuff in this world. He didn't do that. And so when it says when he loved the world, you know, many of us, or even including myself, when I think of the world, I think of all the evil and ungodliness that's in the world. But it says he loved the world. I'm thinking he means he must mean the people. And so we're, we want to understand it, and I'm going to use that a couple times today. When I say the word, what, when say the word world, I'm talking about the people of the world. I might talk about the planet, too, but I'm not talking about all the junk that's in the world. I will use a different word. I would call it worldliness. How about that? Can we agree to that? If I say the word worldliness, I'm talking about all the, the lust and the pride and, 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 the, and the stuff and the materialism and the, the, the bad and the social justices and all the stuff that goes on in this world that we've already talked about. The stuff that was good is now evil, and now that's evil is good. You know, that's worldliness. That, that, that comes from not following God. That comes from not seeking after his wisdom, as we learned today. And so I want you to understand that we cannot take the worldliness out of the world. We can't. It's, it's part of it. It's going to be here. 
Why, though? Because God had allowed it to remain. God allowed the worldliness to stay. And, but God is still calling for a generation that will rise up out of it. He's calling for a generation that's going to push back the darkness. It's going to choose the good, the wise things of the Lord. He's looking for a generation that's going to put aside all the silly stuff. The generation is not afraid to be ashamed for their belief. Looking for a generation that's going to pursue the ways of the Lord and live a pure and holy life among the world. Amen? But prior to this present time and age, each generation, God gave his people uh, prophets judges and kings to be his voice he gave the law to understand the difference between right and wrong and he gave them many signs and wonders to draw them away from idolatry he gave them victories over their enemies and gave them riches and the treasures of the nations when the people prayed their borders were enlarged the rains were stopped the fire fell from heaven and there were many times that the people feared and they cried out for help But as long as the people chose God to be their God, God would deliver them from the enemy. He would part the waters. He would would make the the axe float. How about that? (laughs) The oil wouldn't run dry. When you called upon God and he was your God, no matter what your heart was doing, God would answer with his wonderful and powerful word and demonstrations. The fame of the Lord, the God of Israel, would stretch far and wide across the seas. Kings from afar off and queens from afar off would hear of his fame and his awe, and they would bring gifts. They would show fear. They would fall under submission. Despite this insurmountable evidence of God's abilities and his presence in his people, it seems like that each age and each generation would somehow mystically fall away <laughs> and, and run into the grasp of worldliness, disobedience, and of course drawing the anger and ire of the Lord. If you take this opening scripture, for example, Joshua and the 12 tribes failed to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. They did. They they didn't. They were supposed to do it. Right, Brother Woods? They were told, go out and, and drive them all out. This is your possession. But we find out later on that as as Joshua was getting old and the people were getting tired, that they allowed the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the and and the uh, uh, um, all the otherites live there. They allowed them to live there and among them. And God could have, of course, drawn them all away himself. He's powerful enough. He could have just said, you know, okay, you did 80% of it. I'll do the other 20. But God said, no, I'm leaving them there. This is what he says. And I'm going to read, go back to Judges 3, 2, but I'm going to read it from the Christian Standard Bible version so you understand. It says, he did this, this was to teach the future generations of Israelites how to fight in battle, especially those who had not fought before. Now, I don't know about you, but I caught something, Brother Long, about this, that God allowed the ungodly to dwell among the godly 
to teach the godly how to fight back. Not to be overcome, not to be taken, not to, to, to intermingle with them, but he allowed the ungodly, the worldliness, to remain in the world so that the people of the world will learn how to fight back and choose God. He said he wanted to prove them, which means to test or to, to, to strengthen them, to put them in a position where they know how to battle against darkness, to know how to battle against the lies, to know how to battle against the deceit, to know how to battle against pride, and to know how to battle against the things that keep drawing men's eyes away. He allowed the ungodliness to be in the world so that they would learn how to fight. But this happened instead, and there rose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done in Israel. Instead of what God wanted the people to do, they did quite the opposite. It seems preposterous to me and to you that the things that you saw or the things that they saw and experienced and everything that was brought into them or how they came to where they're at, that they would forget God? Anybody, anybody here just kind of like scratch your head when you read the Bible and you say, how in the world could you Israelites do that? He just parted the ocean and three days later you're like, we're so hungry. What's going on? You should have left us in Egypt where we can be buried. Because <laughs> there's not enough sand out here to be buried. At least the Egyptian friends would visit us. <laughs> But it says they forgot God. So they don't remember the wars that they fought in the wilderness. They don't remember the manna from heaven, nor do they recall the wall, uh, the water from the rock. They forgot the commandments. They forgot the law. They forgot the need to be separate people, and they forgot that they were chosen by God. They forgot the tabernacle. Heaven forbid we ever forget the church. And I can say with a degree of confidence, they forgot Egypt. They forgot the oppression. They forgot the hardships. They forgot taskmasters and the cruelty of Pharaoh. They forgot the miracles and they forgot the plagues. They forgot the Passover. They forgot Moses. They forgot God. But I want to tell you that no matter how faithful they would be, no matter how obedient they become, no matter what signs and wonders they would see, the draw of worldliness is just too great for the next generation that eventually would fall away. I'll give you an example. Here in Richland has a history with World War II, right? <laughs> I mean, what is the name of the, 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 the high school team? Yeah, there you go, the Bombers, right? But I wasn't born, I wasn't even alive yet, or even thought of, my parents even weren't alive, uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor or even during World War II. And I believe that I have a, I, I think I have a sensitivity to what happens, but I wasn't there when they made the decisions that they made, right? But still today, even though all those things were tragic and, and everything that transpired, we could read about, we could even watch old footage of, we could pull it up on YouTube and we could, we could read about it in the history books, we still have people today that are sympathizers with the Nazis. What happened? What happened? What did they forget? 
Now, for me, I remember watching the Twin Towers fall in real time. I watch it in color. I watched it as planes full of innocent people slammed into the towers and into the Pentagon. We saw the hole in Pennsylvania. I remember even now, today, I mean, it, it, when I watch the footages from the anniversaries, I still get emotional from it. Because I remember the feeling of the, the, the drop in my, my own countenance to see this happening. How could this evil possibly exist in this world? But yet today, our young generation has got elected leaders and teachers and instructors that want them to remember the hijackers as martyrs and honor them among the dead. How quickly we forget what, what we have been through, what we had to learn how to endure, what we've had to get to where we're at, that so quickly that we forget the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the power of God, the name of God, the church of God, the people of God, the songs of God, the word of God. How we so quickly forget these things. So I want to be sensitive to you and sensitive to everybody else, and I want you to be sensitive as well, that the draw of worldliness is a very powerful, powerful draw. I will tell you something, and I'm not meaning to be disagreeable to anything or any of your beliefs, but I do believe someone can find happiness in worldliness. I believe they can. I believe that they can be happy and not have God. But you have to understand that happiness is not forever. It's fleeting. And the, and the next time they want to be happy, there's, it costs more to be happy. It, there's a longer time of, 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 of pain and suffering between happiness. Every time someone outside of God wants to get happy, they have to work harder for it. I also believe that you could be wealthy on the worldliness. You can, you can, you can become wealthy and, and, live, and live pretty much carefree in this world. But the cost of wealthiness, the cost of being wealthy without the Lord is too much for you to even pay for. You cannot take the worldliness out of the world but I believe you could take the world out of worldliness. You can draw them out with the power of the Holy Ghost. I want you to listen to this statement. You find it in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's just the very beginning. It says, you are a chosen generation. You pretty much know the rest of the scripture. Many of you probably do. But you're a chosen generation. That, that means something. And I ask myself, which generation? Which one are you talking about, Peter? Talking about the generation at the time that you wrote this? Or are you talking about the generation of that who is reading it? Or are you talking about a different definition of generation? See, I, I believe that there's a, a story, and, and now that I'm questioning what was called a parable and what was called a, not a parable, <laughs> it's okay. You learn something. <laughs> you're, you're blessed by it. But there's a story, an allegory, a mononymy, whatever that word was up there, uh, that, that, that was likened. And, 
and, uh, and, and no disrespect to Brother Clemson. I mean, that was awesome. That was awesome. I got so much out of that. I was so excited to, 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 to learn and to, to, to draw more wisdom out of God and his word and that thing there. But there is a story about a man who had a vineyard, and he went and he got workers in the morning, and then he got workers later on in the day. And I'm just kind of breezed through this story here. But at the end of the day, the 11th hour, there was still a need. There was still a need. And he went out there, and there was those that were out there idle saying, we're just waiting all day. We're just waiting all day. And he says, well, I need you in the field. Come into the field. And I'm not going to go into the meaning behind that story, but all I want you to know is that there was those that are waiting at the 11th hour of the day. My friends, I believe that we are in the 11th hour of the day and that when the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost in that upper room, 120 people plus received the infilling of the Holy Ghost, 3,000 later, 5,000 another day. I'm telling you right now, that's the 11th hour generation that I believe we're talking about here. I believe that you are a chosen generation because you have something that Abraham did not have. You have something that David did not did not have. You have something that Isaiah did not have. You have something that Jeremiah did not have. You have something that all the prophets and the righteous men of old, they wanted to look into what you have. You are a chosen generation. There is something about the worldliness. They've got to be shaking in their boots because now there's a generation that has authority, that has the, the purpose, it has the word, it has the confirmation that that cannot hold on to you anymore. You can be the proven generation. Oh, there is still unrighteousness and ungodliness in this world. And it's just growing daily as we look at it. Turn on any, any type of news program out there, whether it's on the radio, a podcast, a television, whatever it is. It doesn't matter to me. You know that it's all it's doing is telling you this is what's right and this is what's wrong. But if you were to take it and apply it to the word of God and say, test every spirit to see if it's God. I'm looking in here. I'm saying, I don't see, I don't see how I'm supposed to affirm someone's gender. I thought God decided that from the very beginning. I thought that that was his to decide and not mine. And I'm trying to understand why the world thinks that that's okay. I do blame my generation, speaking of generations, Generation X. We were the generation that uh, first time ever the parents weren't at home and we had latch keys and we came in. We were the boss. We were the boss, applesauce. And our problem was is that we didn't care what you wanted to be. Just don't involve us. <laughs> we don't want to be involved in your problem, but you're okay to have your problem. And then the next generation said that, no, no, we want to be involved. And now the generation today said, no, you must accept it above your own problems, <laughs> of your own issues. And every single generation as we see is getting more wicked and more wicked and more wicked. The mindset of worldliness and I'm seeing it happen. I'm seeing it happen in our schools. I'm seeing it happen in our communities, in our elected officials. We're, about, we're, we're supposed to be voting right now. And how hard is it to go through that book? And, and maybe in eastern Washington, it's a little bit easier to choose. <laughs> Not that much easier. But 
you know, I, I'm praying for the churches over on the west side of Washington. I'm praying for the churches in California. I'm praying for the churches that are in these states. Where they have no option for righteousness to choose from. They just got to pick the lesser of evils. It's like, mm. And so there's this, this move. But one thing that I'm really concerned about is I'm really concerned about the worldliness getting into the churches. The C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S. You know, you don't want to mention it. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to, you know, because if you do, you might be approving it. You, you know, we, we have got to remain separate people. If we're going to fight back against worldliness, we've got to not look like worldliness. If we're going to fight back against worldliness, we can't have that in our homes. If we're going to fight back, fight back against worldliness, we can't tell our kids it's okay. We can't tell them that, well, you have your church life and you have your home life. You can't do that. You can't do that. Your church has got, your church has got to start at home. Your walk with God's got to start as a family. We do. We pray every night for this church. And, and, and I'll tell you what we're praying for. Revival. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want and all across the state of Washington. We want revival. We're so thankful. Believe me, so very thankful that our son is going to this church. I'm not saying anything negative about any other church, but I can tell you the evidence is true. Um, I am going to admit he is better than he was with us. With us. <laughs> yeah, we sent you junk. <laughs> And you turn them into a diamond. <laughs> but I don't want you to forget that. That when people are walking through that door, you're changing lives. Someone's going to be walking in here and I have no idea what this, this, this God thing is. I don't know what this Holy Ghost thing is. I, and I, I don't know what it is to live like a Christian. And you know what? They're going to get the answer by being part of this congregation. Keep loving people that you don't know. Keep praying for people. You have something that the world does not have. You have something that worldliness cannot fight against. It can't stop it. It can't hold it. It can't arrest it. It can't do anything to it. The Spirit of God is liberty. The Spirit of God is freedom. And you have it. The Lord said in the, in the book of John, uh, chapter 16, I'm just going to read a few verses here. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth is expedient for me, uh, for you, that is, that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Then when he has come, he will reprove this world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, that's what the Spirit of God is doing. The Spirit of God is fighting back against the worldliness. You're not supposed to fight it back against the, the Spirit. You're supposed to let Him do the work. How be it, verse 13 says, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you in all truth. All truth. Every bit of it. All wisdom. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever ye sh He shall hear, that He shall speak, and He will show you the things to come. In verse 33. Everybody knows this in 16. These things I have spoken unto you that you, may, you might have peace. In this world you should have tribulation. It's not going away. Even Jesus himself said it's not going away. All right? I hope I've established one thing. It's not going away. <laughs> the worldliness is not going away. 
I, I, and, and I don't really have a lot of hope that it's going to get better. <laughs> I think that maybe we'll see, like, you know, what do you call those, like, sine waves, but just still going down. <laughs> still continuing to do a track, you know, a downward trend for those that, like, you know, I'm not into economics, but that's what it seems like. It just keeps going down. And I don't think that uh, we should take it as, as like, oh, things are turning around because we see a little bit more righteousness coming in. It's just, it's just not going to stand. But be of good cheer. <laughs> if I may just be a little excited. I don't know why, Brother Long, why that makes me so excited. When I read this, be of good cheer, the Lord just said he just spoke into you. He just, the Spirit of God, the Word of God just actually gave you something that, that you could say, oh, I have, I have permission. I have authority. I, I, I'm allowed to. You mean despite all the things going on, my body is full of uh, issues and, and my life is full of issues. I got family members that, are, that have issues and, and my car has issues and my job is terrible and the economy is terrible and, and our government is terrible and all these things are going on. The wind is terrible, heaven forbid. All these problems going on and yet you tell me be of good cheer? So I could, I could either take it one way or the other. Right, Brother Woods? I could say, <laughs> Right. Or I could say, he's right. <laughs> he's right. He's right. I can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Hallelujah. He has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. You see, in those Israelites, you know, they had, they had moments in which they obeyed God, and they were obedient, and God gave them deliverance. He did. But until the, the Spirit of God was poured out, it says he only winked at those things that they did. He's like, I know that they don't have the power yet. I know that they don't have the power yet. So I don't blame the Israelites of old. In fact, I am so thankful that it's written in the Bible for us to understand and to learn and be admonished by. I'm so thankful that, that we, have a, we have a culture that's thousands of years old and they didn't just write about all the good things that they did. They actually put in all their mistakes as well because God said, no, put it in there. Nope, they're all going to know about this. <laughs> it's like reading Colton's report card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell you this young man over here. He uh he lets me have access to his his college transcripts. I can pull it up anytime I want. He has he lets me have access to his bank account. I can pull it up anytime I want. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't need to because I'm trusting what he's doing is right. Because every time that he's had a need or a concern, or a question, he has not been afraid to ask his parents. And I want you to understand that God, and I'm not trying to put myself in the position, I'm just modeling myself after him. God could see all things. It says that he sees us, what, bare, naked? He sees us. He sees us fully. We have nothing. We can't hide anything from him. 
He knows our hearts. He knows what our thoughts are. He knows even though they're afar off. He, if, we, if I make my bed in hell, he is there. If, he, if I look to the left, he's there. If I look to the right, he's there. I mean, I can't hide from him. I can't be anywhere that he is not. I could try to run and find a place to hide, but I'd have to make up, I'd have to design my own universe in order for me to get away from him. Since he knows every nook and cranny, there is no place I can go, and there's nothing I can do to hide from him. But yet, when I have a prayer, when I have a supplication in need, he doesn't pull up my transcript and say, well, you did this, this, and this, and this. He said, how can I help you, child? How can I bring you through? How can I lift you up? How can you can overcome this worldliness? How can you overcome these trials and tribulations? How can you drop this addiction? How can I help you heal your wounds? How can I have the hurts that are inside of you dissipate and disappear and not longer be there? How can my blood help you cover the sins that have been committed in your life? How can I help you, child? We have an advocate that hears us and knows our very thoughts. He's even touched by the very infirmities and feelings that happens in our lives. He knows what it feels like to be left alone and hurt and and lied about and deceived. He knows what it feels like to be poor. He knows what it feels like to be stricken. He knows these things. And so when I'm going through them myself, I know that I have a God that understands where I'm coming from. He's just not looking at me and saying, hey, Pull up your bootstraps and get going, kid. He says, I know how to help you. You are a proven generation if you just accept that. If you just understand that you can push back the darkness by the name of Jesus Christ, which is above every name, right? There isn't a name out there. There is not a hurricane named out there. There's not a a market named out there. There's not a president or king named out there. There's not a disease named out there. There is nothing out there. This name, Jesus, is above every single one of those names. I hope I'm encouraging somebody here today. I just want to remind you that you have a God. I want to remind you that you don't need to fall into the worldliness or be trapped in in in, in in the glitz and glamour. This worldliness is not going away, but there is a better way. (laughs) And there's a reason why you are the proven generation. Because there's still people out there that need this salvation. I did a lesson, a study, and I was, and, and maybe I haven't, completely put it through all the ringers yet but I just have not yet found any reason not to believe this Jesus went to the cross he took the nails he took the crown of thorns he took well he took the cross itself and he took the sins and the guilt and the shame laid it all upon that lamb right and I am I am telling you He just didn't do it for his select few. He didn't just do it for the the disciples at the time. He just didn't do it for the house of Israel. He didn't just do it that it had an expiration date. It says he did it for the world, for the sins of the world and those that will come later. We have a blood that has not yet stopped flowing. (laughs) 
We have a repentance that still works. The Bible tells us that you are a light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, it doesn't say you're the city. It just says that it's like a city. It's that mananami. Uh, <laughs> it's an allegory. You are a light to this world. You cannot be hid if you're living the right way. If you have the Holy Ghost and you are, you are pushing back against that, that worldliness, you cannot be hid from people. People will see you. <laughs> you are a witness. You are a witness to the world. Again, the world is not a euphemism for ungodly behavior, but referring to the people of the world. People out there need to see you. They need to see you uh, uh, doing the things that God had put in your heart, living out your convictions, displaying your convictions, and making right choices with your life. The Bible, we read it in, uh, in the beginning here, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, who shall stand by his holy place? The answer is those who live his gospel on the inside and the outside. Not, you know, when I say that, it's by your actions, not the uniform. <laughs> When your heart and your soul align with God, your hands and your lips are pure, you are prepared for the harvest. I want to encourage you today. You're a proven generation. You're a proven, you have authority. You, you have now been granted permission to stand in his holy place, to ascend the hill of the Lord. And you are going to be that light, that, that uh, Richland, Kennewick. I mean, I know there's other churches in this area, but I'm going to tell you, there's, you could have 20 more churches here. You could have 20 more churches here. You can. There's so much need for God's uh, uh, messengers. There's so much need for God, uh, uh, God's uh, um, work. His, his, his light needs to be in this place. And I'm so thankful that you're here, but I know that you have a huge, huge job ahead of you. But be encouraged. The Bible says you're both a street lamp and a heart lamp. Now, I said that, but I'm just inferring it. <laughs> you are a way to lead and guide people, but also to expose the, the, the needs in someone's heart. Have you ever been in a situation where someone says, I don't know what it is about you. You just have something. I'm drawn to your spirit. There's just something about you that I, I, I need or I want. I, I want to know what is it. And you're given the opportunity to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't show up to you because you have long hair and a dress or you're wearing a suit and long sleeves. They didn't, they didn't walk up to you because of that. They walked up to you because you have actions that speak of a higher power, of a higher calling. That the things that you say out of your lips... They don't tear people down. They build them up. You don't deceive people. You're not out there to get the, 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 the upper hand on somebody. I know Christians have a very difficult time talking about themselves in, uh, in, in uh, like interviews. Tell us why we should hire you instead of somebody else. And your, your, your soul's like, oh, you should hire somebody else. <laughs> But you, know, you, have, you have to try to say, well, okay, here's the... 
And I know that the Lord will give you the words to say that will show forth what God is doing through you. You see, I believe that when you have the Spirit of God, whatever you do brings favor to those that are around you too. Holy Ghost-filled Christians working at jobs, those jobs succeed. Their profits go up. Their customer base expands. Their product line gets better. Their customer service numbers go up. Schools, when you have when you have K, PK, no, what is not PKs? P7s. I was getting PKs and all that stuff. P7s out there, those schools start to thrive. And they become a safe haven for those that want to learn the education, but at the same time also be with their God and be with people that are like-minded. You see, you're a light to this world. You're the generation that's going to be blessed by God. You're the generation that is going to bring more people to the kingdom. You're the generation that's going to set this world upside down. Now, I'm not trying to fill you up or anything, but I do know that there's one thing that needs to happen. You need to believe it. You need to have faith in it. You need to believe that, that God does want to use you, that God can use you, that despite all the history and all the things that you've gone through, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Some people carry some very big regrets in their life, and it stops them from being used. But if they give those regrets up, if they would just pass them on to the Lord and said, this isn't mine to hold and mine to carry, and the Lord will free you of that burden. I'm, I'm, I've been amazed by some, uh, some of the stories and, and, and uh, testimonies I've heard. How many people here uh, remember Colton's uh, uh, Z, his Nissan Z? Like everybody's like, what? He has a Nissan Z? Yes, he has. He still has it. It's at my house, and I'm looking for someone to store it. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, okay, I won't do that. Sorry, I already said it. <laughs> Sitting there at my house, all covered up. And and uh, but the story behind that Z. Uh, did you share it already? You have never shared that story. Not yet. Well, it's, it's going to be shared right now. So we were um, at church, and there's a gentleman at our church, and he's like, hey, I want to give you a car. I can't get rid of it. It's a 1986 Nissan, and um, I just think maybe you guys can use it. And uh, like Colton needed a car. I'm like, oh, man, 86. Uh, <laughs> maybe I can get 20 bucks out of it when I turn it in. <laughs> You know, maybe the metal's worth something. I don't know. Because it doesn't have any safety features. And, and Sister Garrett is all about safety and assurance. She wants to make sure that, uh, that there is a, a five-point harness in there. He wants to make sure there's airbags that go off everywhere and, and warning lights. And, it, and it, it, it drives itself out of danger. That's what she wants Colton to have. And, and I don't blame her. Uh, that's, that's her child. <laughs> And, uh, and so we're like, okay. And he says, well, I'll drive it to your house. I said, all right, I'll just drive it to my house. And so we're sitting there in our front room looking out the window, and I'm like, I see this 1986 Nissan Z pull up, and you can hear it. And I'm like, what is going That cannot be it. <laughs> no way. And my uh, 
uh, they call them deadheads, uh, <laughs> neighbor who, who loves Kiss and great Tom, wonderful guy, and he'd been through a lot himself. But he came over and says, you've got the coolest car in the neighborhood. I'm like, and I know my son's going to drive it. <laughs> this, in my head, I'm thinking, brother, I'm like, oh, this is, just, just, I got I to gotta fight back against this world. Like a, his mind's got to understand the gift and, and, and not, <laughs> not the prestige behind it. But here's the thing about that car. And so uh, a, lot of, a lot more to that story on that side. But this gentleman that brought the car loved to work on Zs, and he had a whole bunch of them. He was giving them away or getting rid of them slowly. This was the last one. But this one had a really interesting story. You see, he uh, was Catholic. His wife is Catholic, still Catholic. And he... He gave that, that car to his son, and his son got into an accident and T-boned the, the Z. And so he found a place in Spokane, Pat's frame, who, uh, and the person who owned it was not Pat, uh, was uh, Bill Knutson. And if you don't know who Bill Knutson is, Bill Knutson uh, is a, uh, um, he's a wonderful, wonderful, Holy Ghost-filled, kind giant gentle giant spirit and and uh he there's he can't open his eyes really well but he smiles with them so great and he can only say kind things to you he can never his 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 he's so awesome they live in him and his wife uh they're elderly but they live in longview and we and we love him dearly and uh he but he was a frame guy he put this thing together and so uh, Jim is the name of the gentleman that gave us the car. Jim would bring the, he brought the car to him. He says, I can, can you fix this? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can fix that. But they, he never saw him work on that car. All Bill would do, Brother Bill would do, was just talk about the Lord. Just talk about the Lord to him. And he was Catholic, and he's like, yeah, I know. And, and, but he kept talking about the Holy Ghost about Pentecost, about Jesus' name, about baptism, about the truth of the Bible, about what God wants for him in his life. And he goes, and, and Jim would tell me, he goes, I never saw that man work on a car, and I had no idea how he worked on cars because all he did was talk about God all day long. But he did. He fixed that car, and he put, he put it right back straight. And, and, uh, and so that car that, that Colton has is the car that brought Jim to the Lord. <laughs> and that's why Colton won't get rid of it. Because that car has a testimony behind it. A man gave his life to Jesus Christ because that car brought him to Bill Knudsen. And it's so interesting about him is that is one day we had to go out and, and put a battery in someone's truck. And he said, well, come to my house. I'll get some uh, tools, and we'll go get a battery. And so I go to his house. He goes, hey, you want to see something? I said, sure. And we go back to his garage. And, and I'm not a car guy, so all I know is that he opened up the garage, and there was this cover, and he pulled open the cover, and there is this old-timey, fancy-smancy hot rod car. I, 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 like, again, I'm not a car guy. I didn't ask what it was because that didn't pop into my head. <laughs> I said, whoa, that is pretty awesome. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was super clean. The interior was immaculate. The, 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 everything looked just original on this thing, except for the paint job. They didn't have that kind of paint back then. But, and he, he was just gorgeous. And I said, that is such an awesome, awesome car. He goes, yeah. 
and I hate it. I said, what? He goes, I have spent so much time working on this, and I could have been working for the Lord. And I had to talk to him. I said, you cannot hold on to that regret. For such as a time as this, God gave you that car and that realization to understand that time is short. What you have right now is so important to work for God. What you have right now, and let this car just be a reminder to you from every time you look at it and say, I'm not wasting another minute on the things of this world. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to do the things of God. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to tell my neighbors. I'm going to continue to tell my wife. I'm, I'm, he, 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 I just, you have to understand that you may have regrets in your life that you're like, man, I wish I would have never done that. And I want to tell you something. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have done that. But let that be something that God's going to use to motivate you to continue to do the things that he wants you to do. You see, it doesn't mean that you've never done anything if you have to have a pure heart and a clean, uh, a, a clean hands and a pure heart. It doesn't mean that you don't have a history. It means that you have given yourself over to God to use you from that point forward. You have a history. Use that as a testimony. Whatever it is, God gave it to you. It's not going anywhere uh, at any time. Use it like God used the, 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 the ungodliness in the, in, the, uh, in the wilderness. He left it there to prove them, to test them, so they would learn how to fight. Use your regrets that you, that you, you just got to let it go. You got to let it go, but use them to teach yourself how to fight and to teach next generation how to fight. Will you stand? First Corinthians 6, 9 famously says, Know you not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. Such were some of you. And God let me be an atheist for 26 years so that today I can tell you that God is real and I know he's real. It wasn't given to me by my grandparents. It wasn't given to me by my church. It wasn't given to me by, uh, uh, by uh, uh, friends and family. I got it from God. I got it from God. And so I know that when someone comes and says, I'm an atheist, <laughs> can let me at them, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I know how to talk their language. I know how to do it. And you, too, could use the history that you have got and say, I know how to talk to somebody who was effeminate. I know how to talk to somebody who was addicted. I know how to talk to somebody who was an adulterer. adulterer. I know how to talk to somebody who was a thief or covetous or a drunkard. I know how to talk to them because I know what God did for me. Teach the next generation how to fight against this worldliness. It says that you are washed, sanctified, justified in the name Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Will you lift up your hands today unto him? You're a proven generation. You've been brought forth to this point for a reason, for a purpose, for a calling. And I want to open it. If, you, if something resonated in you with this message today, 
If something is stirred inside of you, I want you to give it to God. I want you to explore it. I don't want you just to sit on it and ponder it. I want, I want you to release it. I want God to work in you right now. And I don't know how the altar calls work. I'm assuming they work the same. There's an altar. There's an open space. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place here. And I know that if you still have needs of God, God is still here. I know that he's still doing a mighty work. I know that he's not done. If you have a ministry calling on you, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. So I want you to worship the Lord, and I want you to, I want you to bring it forward. I want you to bring it forward to the Lord. Let this be about Him today. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus. That the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the Son Sets free. Oh, it's free I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, He has ransomed me. His grace runs. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died.